Welcome back to the People's Show. Bick Nazar and Josh Elliott Wolf today. Ben Bassman running the show. No Canucks Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw taking a day off, getting ready for uh, back to backs on the weekend. Uh, I think they're on TV on Sunday as well. And Riccio's doing Kick in the Grass. Canada plays on Sunday. They're also, he's doing Kick in the Grass tomorrow as well. Woo! Just unlimited soccer talk. Well, it's an hour, actually. It's it's limited. Just nonstop. Yeah, Daily. Nonstop. Daily. Brutal match today. People were hyped about uh, USA England. Was it? See, I have no idea how to, like, grade soccer matches. That's fine. But, but I, I watched it. I was yeah. like, oh, this is fine. But, like, England looks so energetic and dominant in their first match. Mm-hmm. And they didn't look uh, passive in their first match, which has been the knock on them. That they, like, again, they do well in tournaments, but they have so much talent that they should try to be on the front foot more. And after the match, first match, it's like, wow, okay, they're going to be this exciting team lending into, uh, leaning into all their talent. And then today, uh, tougher opponent, and it's like, oh, you're just going to be the same old team you are. So would it be like, well, I guess it wouldn't be the same because Canada hasn't shown this, but it would be a similar vibe to like Canada coming out tomorrow or Sunday and being if, if, more passive and boring, yeah. just boring. But like, that's what was so impressive about Canada versus Belgium. It's like, we, we thought we'd see a measured approach of like, be safe, be, be practical. And when there's space, then breakneck speed into it. Mm-hmm. Canada was like, Hey, let's go after it. Like we got a chance to take these guys on, and, and 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 let's take the initiative. We'll see if that continues against Croatia, because they're just going to handle the ball, pass, pass, pass all day long. So is Croatia, as a non non soccer yeah. guy myself, is Croatia a better or worse matchup for Canada than Belgium was? Because like, is Belgium ranked higher? Yeah, but, but again, the FIFA rankings, you know, they take a lot of historical context. Again, would I power rank Belgium as the second okay, let's team? Let's not talk about power rank. I, I don't know if I would, but they currently rank as second. Do they make top 10? Uh, yeah, probably like okay. 7 to 10, somewhere in that range. They're the Vikings of the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, all right, let's uh, connect with Kevin Woodley uh, from In Goal Magazine, the In Goal Radio Podcast and NHL.com. Woodley, how are you? I'm good, but this is the second straight hit this week where I've been introduced with talk about soccer. And it's the World Cup, man. Me. Yeah, I know, but like those nets are so big. Like you're gonna, I'm going to be in the corner in the fetal position if we if we keep doing this. Like I can't even watch it. They're just they're just too big. How do you not score into those all the time? It's just massive. Because the keepers are like six seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a standard in the NHL now too. But yeah, it just, that's like fair. It, like I said, fetal position in the corner, just trembling, rocking back and forth screaming that the nets are too big it's not fun but but we saw a nil nil game so there you go no goals must have been lots going on eh (laughs) yeah uh speaking of lots going on uh vancouver canucks got two games this weekend uh against uh vegas and san jose we'll we'll talk about the, the the those net mining situations uh but you know there's been so much conversation here recently about spencer martin and and thatcher demko and who should get starts and all that sort of stuff. Uh, outside of that, uh, are, are you noticing differences of how the Canucks play, the, the, the defensive environment in front of these goalies? Like, are there any differences between the two? Um, I mean, 
obviously they played better the other night defensively mm-hmm. um, than than they did against Vegas, especially in the third period. At the end of the day, um, Demko has you know one of the lowest expected save percentages in, in the league. I think anybody over 200 shots, he's like got the fifth or sixth worst environment at an expected of 877. And Martin's is 889, which is just slightly above the league average. So, you know, there's a 12-point difference there. But I don't know that you can point at that and say, hey, they're playing better for Spencer Martin. Um, It's such a small sample right now, especially when you split it. Like, it's not, you know, it's the season to date, but it's only half of that for each guy. Um, So you expected a better, like, as bad as it was in the third period against Vegas, you hope to God there was going to be a response defensively and better attention to detail in front of their own net. And they got that. So, you know, in a small sample, I don't know that it's that you can really say, Oh, they're like, they, they're playing better. They're trying harder for Spencer Martin, but there is a difference to this point um, in their expected shape percentage in their environment. And so um, 12 points, isn't small at the end of the day, uh, Spencer's playing up to his right around expected. And Demko, as low as that number is, he's still underperforming it. And I've said this before, like, just because you have a low expected doesn't mean you can't outplay it. There are a number of guys in the league that are down there in that neighborhood with him that are still putting up good results, um, despite a low expected, say, percentage. I look at Eric Comrie as the worst in the league at 859, like, just, like, almost absurdly low. And he's a full, you know, 1.2% above it, whereas Demko is 1.6 below it. And that's... Yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty big number. That's a pretty big gap. So, um, you know, we'll. we'll I, I don't think though that it can be any like big bold statement about like they're trying harder or playing harder for one guy over the other. At the end of the day, one guy has a slightly easier environment to date, but I would expect that to level up a bit or level out. There's been a lot of talk about the Canucks matchup center and what lines are kind of matching up. For a while, it was Horvat and. Uh, Miller matching up against other teams' big lines. And then last game, we saw Pedersen match up a little bit more against McKinnon and Rantanen. Um, and a lot of talk about that has also been related to face-offs. How important is it if you're a goalie to have someone out there that, like, how important is that first draw in the defensive zone if you're a goalie? Well, I mean, if it helps you get out of your zone clean, um, then it's important, right? Like the last thing you want to do is spend time. And I think where it's more important is on the PK um, because end zone play in your own end, like that's not where you create the most dangerous chances. We've talked about this before, how like the way to score in the NHL is to create rush chances. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you lose a defensive zone face off. You might end up running around in your own end a little bit, particularly if you're struggling to figure out your defensive zone coverage. And this is a team that fits that bill. Um, but I don't like short of the penalty kill, I don't know that that possession becomes a game changer. Um, you know, talk to most goalies around the league and, and they'll tell you like, you know, the offense they fear, the offense that, that they, I don't say struggle with, but that they see as the most dynamic is off the rush. And in a lot of guys' minds, like, Hey, if that's in our zone, like five on five and everybody's remotely doing what they're supposed to do. I should be able to sort that out. So I don't know that it's the end all be all, metric and yet i understand that you know you want to start with the puck more often than not and if you lose defensive zone draws you you know you can end up sort of giving up chances but also end up getting tired out or taking penalties because you're chasing play in your own end but you know typically the most dangerous offense isn't off a off a lost uh defensive zone draw it's 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 on trading rush chances 
or if you're on the PK, that becomes more important. Talking to Kevin Woodley uh, from In Goal Magazine, the In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. I, I was talking to you on Wednesday on Connect Central, uh, filling in for Sat on that show, and you, you brought up something about save selection, and I kind of want to expand on this because I think when people, you know, think of how goalies make saves, they generally think of okay, where the 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 the, the, the style of save is dictated by the area in which the shot is taken. Like, is, is it top corner? Is it along the ice? And and while that's true, but the manner in which the goalie can save it can be dictated by the selection of it. And I I think that's something that maybe people don't consider enough of how the goalie approaches. How to how to make a save, and and you kind of got into it. But I want to expand on just the idea of save selection for a goalie. I mean, it's all based on your reads, right? And that's what I think what I was talking about, or what I was trying to stress the most is, you know, we we're in that locker room, we're having conversations with guys about sort of missed assignments and not having layers in their coverage, um, not backing each other up, and how that leads to hesitation um, in the defensive zone in terms of who's got what and and you know, how hard they can play it. Like, can you go at a guy hard and aggressively to win a puck battle because you know there's a second layer behind you or do you not trust that that layer is going to be where it's supposed to be? And so um, they're still sorting that out. I think I heard Bruce talk about this today in terms of the team, you know, figuring out how they want to play, which, again, like we're 20 games into the season, really, but um, it is what it is. And and I think that if, if the defensemen and the forwards are still trying to figure it out as a goaltender – you're reading off that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, you know, we've done at Ingle. We do these pro reads where we break down video, and that's what I was talking about on Wednesday, where we have NHL guys walk us through saves and save selections. And it blows me away. Well, two things. One, the amount of detail they pick out on the offensive players is, is remarkable in real time. Like what hand, the way they're holding the puck, like it's, it's remarkable. Um, especially the high-end guys like Carey Price. The first time we did it, it was like <clears throat> mushroom clouds going off. I couldn't believe it. But so much of it is also, hey, I know my defenseman's got this lane, so I can back off here. I can take less ice here. Or I can be more aggressive on this guy because I trust this guy. My guy's got this tied up. And so those reads, which lead to your save selection, being able to make clean reads that get get you to your spots ahead of the play, set square, which is, you know, as old as the position itself and yet still matters as much as anything, the reads that allow you to do that sort of bleed into or lead directly to how clean you're, you know, what type of save selection and how confidently you're going to choose that one. And when everyone else in front of you is still trying to sort things out defensively, it just makes it that much harder to trust your reads. Um, and I think sometimes there's been times where, where both guys have trusted their reads and been exposed because of it because what they expected to happen based on the way the defensive zone is supposed to look just hasn't. And this isn't – like, it's, it, every time I say this, it sounds like an excuse, and it's not meant to be. Well, like I said, Demko's got one of the lower expecteds in the league, but other guys with similarly low and similarly bad environments are outperforming them, and he's not. And he did all last year, and that's the expectation for him, and he's not living up to it. So um, I'm not excusing it so much as trying to explain it, and I think that fifth goal against Vegas was a great example, like, you literally saw Myers pointing at Stillman and telling him where to go. And then Myers is late coming across to his guy. And in the process of getting there, cuts right through Demko's eyes, like the perfect flash screen as Stone is passing the puck. And so Demko can't track it off the release. So he's got to default down because the first thing you do is protect the ice. And so once he sees that puck's move to his left, he's dropping, he's got that left knee going down already. 
so he's sliding across. And now because nobody's picked up Petrangelo, um, he's able to corral that puck and come back the other way. So it's like a double, it's almost a triple slot line play. Um, and the only way as a goaltender to stop yourself when you're sliding on your knees, and if you're moving to your left, the only way to stop is to lift your left leg. Like to access the skate edge requires you to raise your knee off the ice to, you know, sort of create enough angle for you to dig that skate edge in to stop or push back the other way. And in the process of doing that, the puck goes in five hole and everybody goes, that's a terrible goal because it went through them. But when you really break it down, especially on the, find the footage from behind the net and you'll see it mm-hmm. clear as day. It's, it's one where I don't know what other selection he's got. I don't know what other way he can play that just given the way his eyes were taken away. I don't think he did anything wrong there. And he ends up giving up a goal. And because there were some that you could blame on him, the puck handling gap, the inability to sort of keep that same left edge engaged to seal the right side post and push into it and stay on it. Um, Yeah, there were mistakes there. But on that one, I think everybody wants to pile on because of the nature of the way the game had gone. And yet when I rewind the tape and look at it, I'm like, I don't know how you play that any differently, to be honest with you. Because when we talk about you know goalies getting eyes on the puck and, and tracking it, and I think maybe we, we in our mind's eye, view that as isolate shooter versus goalie when you have to consider you know the peripheral vision of everything else that is happening around it rather than just like, hey, the shot's coming, eyes on the puck, and, and just make that save. The, the relationship of how you make the decision of what – uh, selection of save you want to do, uh, the environment around it, uh, it, it is part of the decision-making. And last year, he was ahead of everything, right? right? Pace was never an issue. He was never behind plays. And how many times have we seen him a little bit behind? A lot of that time, a lot of the times, it's because his eyes are being taken away. Um, you know, teams have really gone to town on long shots through traffic. Um, you know, and this is not a team that does a really good job of, um, they tend to fill lanes, but not actually take away lanes in terms of blocking pucks, and blocking shots. Uh, and then where is he getting killed the most? Broken plays, pucks into bodies. Like rebounds are one thing, and the, and his numbers there aren't great either. And that's you know a part of function. I talked about this in the preseason, Vic. Like, mm-hmm. what did I say when everybody was like, "Oh, the results don't matter in the preseason"? I'm like, well, two things do: your ability to defend the net, and they can't show them they can do that, and your ability to prevent rush chances. And those were both major glaring issues in the preseason that have continued on. Um, but broken plays are ones where they don't make it to you. So if you make a save as a goaltender on a, and you give up a rebound, at least you know where that puck is going. Especially, like, and I guess sometimes you don't, it just hits you. There was one the other night where nobody tied up, I think it was Carrier on the back door, and you know, I think that was a rebound goal where, because of the traffic situation, he's just got to fill a lane, fill a hole, and it hits him. You feel it, but you're still late. Um, it's kind of like broken plays. They're way worse than rebounds. But most times, if you get clean eyes on it, and you make a save and you give up a rebound, you know where it's headed. When you're dropping blindly and you feel it at the last second, or worse, you're dropping into these lanes because you don't see the release and it hits a bunch of bodies in front and pinballs around, you have, you have no feel for it. You don't see it because your eyes have been taken away and you don't know where it went because you didn't feel it hit you. Like Those are the worst ones. And when I look at his statistical profile, the, where he's getting killed are broken plays, and slot line plays off the rush. And, and I talked about this before on slot line plays, like two-on-ones. You know, there is some fault there. Um, as much as you don't want to be giving up that lateral pass and they've made it far too easy for teams to exploit that, look at the difference in how Martin is handling those versus Demko. Demko's been uncharacteristically aggressive on two-on-ones, so teams are passing higher in the zone. He's outside the blue ice. He's out in the white. 
And the further out you are to one side, the further you have to travel to cover off the other side. And he's, and he's been, teams have exploited that. And so I thought in the Kings game, we finally saw him make an adjustment where as the rush enters the zone, he's, he's got what we call heels out. So the heels of his skates are on the edge of his crease. And to me, at his size, the way he moves, that's all he needs. He's not a guy that needs to be out there a foot and a half, two feet, and playing with a lot of backwards flow. Uh, when he's on his game, he's not doing that. And so that's an adjustment that we're seeing him make. Um, thought the Kings game was really good in that regard. But you compare that to Spencer Martin. Like, I think Spencer's playing a little deeper, um, especially in and around the net, too. Like, there are times where, yeah, like, it's no chance. It's easy to look and say, Demko had no chance on that, on that, you know, broken play off a leg or rebound to the back door. And, and, he, and he probably didn't, but sometimes because he's being a little more aggressive, I noticed it in Spencer's game in Colorado the other night. Like, he's just taking a little less ice in those scrambles and making it easier to at least give himself a chance to sort of recover to some of that space. And uh, it be interesting to see if the next time we see Thatcher and Nat, I'm assuming that's going to be Sunday, uh, if we see some of those adjustments that we've seen off the rush maybe start to bleed into five-on-five. Five and, and, you know, just when you don't trust things, guys go one of two ways. When you're not feeling good about your game, Marc-Andre Fleury was famous for going this way, super aggressive. The closer I can get to the puck, the more chance it hits me. Other guys like just back up all the way to the goal line when they don't have confidence. Demko appears to hedge to more, like, and we haven't seen it till this year, but mm-hmm. what I'm seeing in the start is he's a guy that seems to get more aggressive. Not Marc-Andre Fleury, crazy, crazy, way the hell, where is he going aggressive, but just a little more than maybe we're seeing when he's at his best. And, and I thought it was a juxtaposition that stood out to me in the Colorado game a little more than, you know, a little more ice than Spencer Martin is taking. So, like I said, he's made the adjustment already off the rush, um, saw it in the Vegas game, saw it in the, in the L.A. game. Uh, now do we see it in five-on-five play as well? Because, you know, it's, it's not so much critical, but if uh, a criticism, but if the defensive environment is going to be that unpredictable, um, just stay home a little bit. Make sure those movements are shorter than they are if you're at the top of your crease. You give yourself a chance to make some of those saves off crazy bounces and tough reads uh, because you don't have as far to travel. And you talked about the adjustments Demko uh, is making and has to make. And there's there's been talk about Martin getting more starts and maybe it being more 50-50. Is this, those adjustments you talk about Demko needing to make, is that better done in in-game or in practice? Uh, no, I mean, they're tactical, right? They're not technical. Um, there is a little bit of sort of like, he, you know, technically, if there was a criticism to this point, um, it would be as he, as he sort of reads shot on, on some of these plays, um, he is lowering at the hips rather than with his legs. And so the thing, people that are listening to this and saying, what the hell is he talking about now? Um, look for his logo. Look for the logo. When he goes into his save execution stance, does his logo start to disappear from your screen? Or is his chest up, which allows him to keep his hands engaged and, and push left and right over top of his legs in a more controlled manner. Once you sort of bend that chest, like lower that chest and bend it to hips, you almost have to open up in order to move east-west. You get a little too dug in. Um, that's, to me, that's a technical adjustment. And again, I thought the first two periods against Vegas were as light on his feet and as crisp and as clean in his movements as we've seen. And I, I saw signs of those. And those are the types of adjustments that you make in practice. But when we talk about where you are on the ice and making good reads and not taking too much ice off the rush, those are tactical. And so you do video work and you talk about it, and then it takes gameplay to execute it. Because you don't really – I mean, I guess with all the rush chances you see in practice – 
you can start to try and, you know, make sure you're staying home and watching where you are on the ice and, and making sure you don't drift or get too aggressive. But to me, that's more of a gameplay thing. And that's just good. That's going to take reps. That's going to take comfort in the reads on what's going on in front of them uh, in terms of everybody being where they're supposed to be in a, in a system that, you know, it's really weird. I've had some coaches on the staff tell me they've made no changes at all. And I've had other players tell me that, that they have made adjustments, whatever it is, not everybody's on the same page. And, and that's, that's a tough one. Like that you have to trust it. You have to get comfortable with the reads, but you can't cheat it. Like you just got to trust that everybody's going to be where they're supposed to be. And that, again, that's just going to take more reps and more time. And this is going to be part of the battle for him, right? Like he's not used to this, not playing as much. Um, you know, I thought maybe he might not get the Kings game, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't think that was a slam dunk. And so the other part of it is you get the tougher starts. You know, I'm assuming it'll be Spencer against Vegas. Could be wrong, don't have any inside knowledge, but I'm assuming it is, which means now instead of being the guy that gets to play behind the fresh team, although, you know, I heard it might have been a rookie party, so we'll see how fresh on Saturday night. Um, you know, instead of that, you're the guy getting the second end of back-to-back. And that's normally, that's normally backup duty. And so you have to fight through the mental part of that. Like, hey, I, this, this wasn't supposed to be how this went. Um, and I think that that might be a little bit of a battle right now for him as well. Like, you got to trust everything, but you're getting, you're, getting sort of, you're getting thrown into the tough spots that you didn't expect because you were supposed to be the number one guy. Uh, we're a little late, but I did want to ask you about this because uh, we saw today Matt Murray and, and, and the net coming off uh, multiple occasions. Now, is this a trend you're seeing this season uh, of how easily the net is coming off? And I know, look, it, it spares goalie the, the play in the zone, but I can't imagine goalies are thrilled with the idea that the, the nets are coming off so easily either. No, no, because they want them to be anchored. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've talked about, like, how important net play is for goaltenders. The ability to move clean entries, clean exits fuels so much of the modern game because everything is about, you know, sharp angles and, and low slot line plays. Like I you know, said before, like, low slot line plays in the last five years have gone up 41%. 41%. This is how teams score. You've got to be able to go into that post and not only know it's going to hold you as you go in, but know it's going to hold you as you push off. They don't want them popping off. If you push off and that net gives instead of holding, that's how you get hurt. Mm-hmm. That's how Jacob Markstrom got hurt for the Vancouver Canucks in the Edmonton bubble. <laughs> the league didn't have proper nets at the practice rink. And he meant to make a push, and they had crappy net pegs in there, and the net came off, and he ended up getting injured. Like, goalies don't want nets coming off. So every time people lose their crap over this, and it was similar with Demko on that terrible god-awful call he took last year for knocking the net off this is a function of the net pegs quite often it's a function of the referees not giving a crap and just putting it back in rather than letting the rink crew resecure it once it's been compromised i think they're going to have to i know mike mckenna's talked about this online i think they're going to have like the marsh peg system is like 30 some odd years old can we not reinvent the wheel here a little bit we want them to come off on contact but they're coming off too easily right now. And if people think that's a goalie problem, it's not. It's a problem the league's going to have to look at. I have a hunch. I don't know for sure. I do have a hunch they are because I was asked to send some video to someone from the league last year when this became a problem, just demonstrating. And it may have just been to quiet down the GMs who are probably all yelling the same way the fans are. Mm -hmm. Their understanding of the position is often just as limited. But just to show in a practice situation, how much pressure and force is being exerted as goalies move around in and out of their posts. 
Um, I think we're at the point now where they're going to have to re-examine how they're attaching them, or at the very least, they're going to have to have a better way of putting them back in once they come off and once they're compromised. Because what happens is it fills with snow, right? Like, like, like ice shavings get in there once it comes off, and then you don't put it all the way back in, and now it's just going to pop up every time. So I know everybody's mad at Matt Murray, but that ain't a Matt Murray problem. That's, a, that's an NHL net peg problem. Uh, hey, good stuff as always. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Kevin Woodley at Kevin is in goal on Twitter uh, from In Goal Magazine, the In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com. I always feel a little bit smarter after uh, 20 minutes with Woodley. He says good things. I, I just like understand the goalie position. 0.25% more. When he was talking about like the chest and the logo yeah, yeah. thing, there's highlights on TV, and I was like, oh, that guy's, I can't see his logo. <laughs> That's not good. And yeah, what game are we watching here? Penguins and uh, Flyers. Flyers, yeah. Yeah. And just Jari looks great. Yeah. Shut up. Great so uh, far. Great logo. I saw, I saw it many times. I was like, all right. He's figuring it out. Go, Jari. boy. Probably talk to Kevin about it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, you know, there's so many things we don't consider for, for, for exactly what he just said. It's like, ah, oh, just make the save or, or whatever. It's like, oh, it's, it's going glove. Why didn't you just get your glove? It was like, well, there's so many things to consider about the the, the things that are happening around the goalie uh, prior to it all. But, yeah, I saw the Matt Perry stuff today. I was like, people got to know. This isn't uh... – goalies aren't necessarily thrilled about that. Fun to hate on Matt Murray, though. I get it. I understand. <laughs> Uh, all right, keep coming with your thoughts, 650, 650. Uh, this one here uh, on Thatcher Demko. He's relying too much in structure. Expect the unexpected. Needs to start uh, using more instinct. Expect uh, for the no, unexpected. But, well, no, when it, your defense is that bad, maybe, yeah. 100%. Uh, that, that, that's, that's an understandable uh, thought, but it, it is more of a um, be more of the artist rather than the scientist kind of thing, whereas... Right. But it, it, I, if, if you rely specifically on everything that you can do rather than just play the game. Sure. And it, that, that feels so dumb to reduce it to just that after 20 great minutes with Kevin Woodley. But <laughs> but there's an element of like have to make the save rather than making the save a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's so. what the texture is trying I guess to say. So. And he, it's probably, probably doesn't help that he's had the results he's had. Mm-hmm. And now he's thinking about everything. Absolutely. Uh, all right. A lot to get into throughout the course of the show here. Uh, we'll do uh, the, the NFL preview getting ready and people's picks on the other side here. We'll get to Big Six as well on the way here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the People's Show, an extended version of the People's Show, filling in for Canucks Central today, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, great conversation with Kevin Woodley, and I love uh, texts like this coming after. How about we, we just make a save, boys? That's easier. I mean, <laughs> when you put it that way, you're right. It's fair. Like I get it. F- fans, fans are gonna like look at it as like just make the save. But I, th- I think it's important 
to uh, understand the position a bit more. Yeah, and there haven't been many times this year where I'm like, oh, Dem-. like there's been more than last year, but I'm where I'm like, oh, Demko, you should have had that one. But it's been there haven't been many games this year where I felt like even though they've lost some, yes, that like the primary reason a loss happened was Thatcher Demko. There's at least been a couple. I will say that maybe one or two. I I remember those. I think. I would say the Vegas one just the other day. Yes. The Vegas one. That's I, probably the only one. I think there was one more. I would have to go back and find it. But I remember there being one more that I was like, like maybe hey. I'm trying to think of so the the games that they've had these multi goal leads blow, and you'd say like, Well, Thatcher, like if you can make one. But it's also like we 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 remarked on the defense. Like the Philly one was the second game of the year. And it was like just coming off a of preseason, and it was like, Well, that's what we saw in preseason. He didn't fix those habits coming into this part of the year. The one thing I will say is there there has been the lack of finding that one save that like gives you the yeah. win. And we saw Spencer Martin do it last game where it, it also kind of got shot back into him. I forget who it was. Uh, Devontae's, yeah. Devontae's. But he That's got over, one, yeah. made a save, and the guys are probably like, oh, man, we might actually win this game. Whereas every other time that's happened this season, yeah. it's gone in and they blew the lead and you know what happened next. But. Anyway, uh, they he needs some of that back in his game. Uh, keep coming in with the commentary. Six fifty, six fifty. Also, about an hour away from uh, Confession Fridays. Uh, you've got one in the bank that you're going to break out for Confession Fridays. I got one in the bank. Black Friday related. Okay, all right. As it is, that's happening today. Ben, you got one ready to go. I got one. All right, all right. I'll I'll break one out too for Confession Fridays. Uh, it's a big day. It's a three hour show. Yeah. So get the text in, 650-650, and if, if you're new to Confession Fridays, it's all anonymous. Text in a confession, whatever it is. Uh, if you put your name on it, don't worry about it. We won't read it. It's all anonymous. Uh, but yeah, Confession Fridays coming up uh, later today on the show. You're your first foray doing Confession Fridays? I think I you, may have done like half of one before. Okay. Actually, I remember that, yeah. Yes, this is like the first full-on one I've done. It's chaos. It It, is intense. It's absolutely chaos. Uh, All right, uh, speaking of chaos, uh, Big Six, let's get to it. Uh, So far this year, it's been uh, up and down. Last week, 1-4-1, but let's get to it now. Here, Big Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. Again, 1-4-1 last week. 33-29-4 on the year putting us above that marker of uh, 50%, uh, but 53.2% on the year. Uh, nothing to write home about, but we got to make an improvement here in week 12. Let's start uh, in Indianapolis. I'm taking the Steelers plus two and a half at the Colts. Took the Steelers last week. Look, they put up 30 points. The concern about the Steelers is the offense, but they managed to score a lot of points in a divisional game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Is this offense starting to make an improvement getting ready to play the Colts here on Monday night. Mike Tomlin versus Jeff Saturday. I get a coaching win here versus, again, Jeff Saturday. And then it's Monday night football. You get that motivation on top of it. And also, again, the defense is strong, but the offense is starting to improve as well. I will take the Steelers in this spot here, uh, plus two and a half. It's probably an ugly one. Steelers win 20-17. Chargers minus three and a half at the Cardinals. No home field advantage for the Cards here. So you, you got to factor that out of the equation here. Running the ball, uh, yeah, they might be able to muck up this game. 
I don't necessarily just trust the Cardinals' defense, though, in general. Uh, Chargers I will look at. They'll be able to throw the ball. They'll be able to move the ball. Mike Williams is out, yes. Josh Palmer started to break out the last couple of weeks. Keaton Allen can probably be featured enough as well. But Austin Eckler, how he gets involved in the passing game is fine. I'll lay the point in this spot. Chargers, 27-17. to 17. Seahawks, minus 3.5 versus the Raiders. This is just a mismatch to me. Seahawks are, again, for me, top 10 at worst top 12 team the Raiders bit of a mess to me yeah they get the win versus the Broncos but you know who isn't doing that right now Raiders are more of a top 24-ish team this is a low number to me minus three and a half for a team coming off a bye even though Pete Carroll historically you know off of a bye has had his issues uh but against the Raiders here after their win I look at this and I, I just think it's prime opportunity for the Seahawks to blow out a team that's getting ready for a divisional game as well versus the Chargers. That's going to be their season, not a non-conference opponent here on the road. I'll lay the point. Seahawks winning 30-20. to 20. Packers plus 7 at the Eagles. Eagles have had their struggle in the air the last few games here. Aaron Rodgers slowly getting healthier. Mentioned the thumb, obviously, uh, in, in his media available availabilities this week. I think they'll be able to go through the air in this spot as well. I know the Eagles strong in the secondary. Aaron Rodgers, though, man, he's still a bad guy with seven points on primetime spot as well. I will take the points. Eagles probably win this one 27-23. Buccaneers minus 3.5 at the Browns. I'm going to keep backing the, uh, going against the Browns, so I'll fade the Browns in this spot. Tom Brady after a bye. In this spot here, and are the Bron- or the Buccaneers' offense start to gel a bit more? Get in a week and a half off, obviously. Rashad White gets to take over for Leonard Fournette, who is doubtful in this spot. A little bit more juice in that running game as well. You saw it make a little bit of progress against Seattle. But I, I just do not like this Browns secondary, this Browns defense. They don't restrict play at all. They don't generate enough turnovers. And I wonder if they're looking ahead to next week. Deshaun Watson comes back. They're going to be in Houston. Is this a letdown spot? I will lay the three and a half. Buccaneers win 31-21. to And this one, stepping out a bit. Jaguars plus four versus the Ravens. This is just a play of what we've seen from Lamar Jackson recently. He hasn't really had a standout marquee game in about two months. If you've owned Lamar Jackson in fantasy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They've struggled offensively. Are they going to be able to pull away uh, here at four points uh, for a home dog? Now, the worry is how are they going to be defensively? Do the Jaguars or uh, do, do the Ravens uh, step up a bit more as they start to get healthier on the back end as well? But I think Trevor Lawrence coming off a bye again. We're going for a lot of bye teams here uh, with four points. As they begin to grow into their season as well, they're obviously still a young team, but Doug Peterson, qualified coach, certainly off of where they were. Uh, I will take the Jaguars, uh, and I'll take them in an upset as well, 24-23 in this spot. So, again, that is Steelers plus 2.5, Chargers minus 3.5, Seahawks minus 3.5, Packers plus 7, Buccaneers minus 3.5, and Jaguars plus 4 for Big 6 this week. I don't know if I like the Jaguars one. But I, I trust your process. Honestly, one thing that's tough this week, Thanksgiving. So it knocks out three games. Would you have picked, and it obviously you didn't end up. I didn't. But would you, were any in consideration uh, from yesterday? Dallas was, hmm. which was, uh, I think it closed at eight points. 
or eight and a half, and uh, that last minute or last second touchdown. A lot of people are a little mad about a, a sneaky cover there. If you had the Cowboys or if you had the under, you're, you're kind of choked at that one. That's tough. That's tough. But I, uh, uh, the Vikings or the, the Patriots maybe would have been a consideration. Uh, as I'm a noted Vikings hater. Okay. Yeah, you've really... You know what's uh, weird is I, I have a ticket of the Vikings season win total over. Has it hit yet? What was it? Was uh, it nine and a half? I, I, yeah, nine and a half. So I needed to hit 10. Wow. Which is like, it's going to hit 10. Don't worry. Yeah, but it's just like, I've not been that impressed, even though I'm going to be right on that ticket. Yeah, I believe... So my favorite stat, they've been very Seahawky in the last yeah, 27 which is, games. Which is funny because like when Pete Carroll took over... They went and go get Sidney Rice. They went and go get Percy Harvin. They kind of became Vikings West. Mm-hmm. And now it's flipping the other way. The Vikings are becoming Seahawks East. Yeah, they've 22 of the last 27 games, I think, for the Vikings have been one-score games. Last year, it was always Vikings losing mm-hmm. by one score. Now they're winning by one score. Really fun. Really chaotic football. And I get stressed out every week it's great times you're, you're, you're how old again right now 24 feel 38 every sunday yeah like, yeah like this is taking years off of your life yes yes i will die young thank you minnesota vikings <laughs> it's 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 not good it's not a healthy thing to do uh again 650 650 uh some good confession friday coming in here uh but that is uh bick six so uh, let's get to the Friday football preview brought to you by Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. Actually, on those Minnesota Vikings, I want to ask this to you. Yes. Because it feels like uh, we, we kind of expected Justin Jefferson to level up. And the past couple of years, maybe it's been more uh, poetic, like how he, he just seems to slide away from defenders and make some good get grabs this year has become more physical he's the, he's the, the matured a little bit the, yeah, yeah the one-handed grab and then yesterday some 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 contested catches he's really become to me the the best receiver in the league and you know for some people he would have been that already i was just thinking like on my way in today we, we, we have this conversation a lot with quarterbacks where it's like Oh, this guy just as good as Patrick Mahomes, and then Patrick Mahomes is like, "Okay, watch me go do this, and I'll, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. come back with one minute left." And it's like, let's just stop comparing quarterbacks to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. After last night, and given what Justin Jefferson has done these last three weeks, should we stop saying who the best quarterback in the league is? Best receiver in the league? Yeah, is 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 Justin Jefferson the best receiver in the league? I think so, but I don't think it's as undeniable as maybe Mahomes is. Mm-hmm. Because I do think you can throw like Tyreek in there and you can mm-hmm. throw Stefan Diggs in there. But I do – but those guys are also older, right? Mm-hmm. They've had time to That's develop the thing. their game. It, like, like this is going to be Mahomes' NFL for the next 10 years. And there's some exciting prospects coming. Obviously, you know, Caleb Williams and Drake May and I'm just trying to think of some other guys. There's, there's supposed to be a decent class this year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm blanking on some of the names. But um, – Bryce Young. Yeah. So so there's some guys coming, but it just feels like this is Mahomes' this is world right now. And me and Tyreek Hill, like, yeah, he's coming up to 29, 30, I think. Devontae Adams is over 30. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is over 30. It just feels like... How old like, is Cooper Cup? Yeah, like he's, I think he's 28. But even that, it's like... Even that, I, I really feel like Cooper Cup, he had a great year last year, but I also feel like it's a one, one year. He was amazing, and he's still going to be really good. I think that's more of a function of the offense. Yeah. Like, Cooper Cup doesn't line up on the outside. He's 29 as well. Oh, there you go. Um, it, it, I think it's like, 
I think Justin uh, Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Yeah, but the, that's but, the that's the biggest thing. And Jamar Chase, like he's injured, obviously, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been. He hasn't shown. He's been really, really good since he got in the league. Elite since he's been in the league, but I don't think he's taken the steps that Jefferson has taken. And Chase still has time, and he he has a better quarterback with him, and that's going to help a lot. But I just I would still take Jefferson over Chase. Jefferson, uh, or sorry, Chase just reminds me of like Zion Williamson, where there's just like some days there's just gonna be like nothing you can do. It's like that guy's just bigger, and he's gonna bully you out of the way. Yeah, and it's not to say like Jamar Chase can't run routes or something like that because he does obviously, but like so, some dudes are just freakishly fast and freakishly big, and no matter how well you cover, he's just gonna be able to push you off, and then he'll get the ball and be like, "Bye," and just run past you. Zion sometimes is like, "I get the ball in the wing, you're not six seven two eighty, and so yeah. I'm gonna push right by you, and then I'm gonna go dunk on you." Yeah. Whereas Jefferson is like. He's kind of mastered he's mastered the art of being a wide receiver. Yes. Yes. Whereas I, I just don't know if and like Tyreek Hill, it's like I'm I'm just faster than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's 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 tough. I I do often wonder what Jefferson's numbers like they're historic numbers. Yeah. But I often wonder what his numbers would be like if it wasn't Kirk Cousins well, throwing to him. Ryan from Abby's texting in, Chase when healthy is explosive and will be for a long time, but having Burrow is a huge boost over Jefferson uh, as he's got Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and I don't know if that's ever going to be solved before. But, yeah. like Because the Vikings, especially this year, like they're probably not going to draft a quarterback unless they trade up. Mm-hmm. Kirk hasn't been the, – the one thing I will say about Kirk Cousins this year – is he's been like, you know what, Jefferson, and maybe this is part of Kevin O'Connell's offense, mm-hmm. but Jefferson is really, really good at football. I'm just going to throw it up, hope he catches it. Justin Jefferson's down there somewhere, and then usually he does. There's been way more YOLO throws. Yeah, exactly. And that that really helps boost his numbers as well. And His numbers have been so good that I don't know if there could even be an improvement with a different quarterback. You know what I mean? I, it's it's hard to say. Maybe it would just be more style points. Exactly. Um, like okay, I'll, I'll just I'll list off some quarterbacks that'd be fun to see Justin Jefferson with instead of Kirk Cousins. And and you tell me if it's like oh yeah, I'd love to see that. Lamar. Yeah, I would like to see that. Well, see because that's interesting because you're you're gonna get more rushing from Lamar. You're so taking maybe, away from Jefferson a bit. But you also might be able to go downfield a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think the. You'd be able to keep drives alive longer, which in turn would then help right. Jefferson. Dak? Uh, he, he feels similar to me. Wow. Man, Dak hater. I didn't I <laughs> didn't realize I was amongst Dak haters. Ben is, is shook right ben, Well, Ben's like a closet Cowboys fan. I am. So, But, like, Dak is Dak better is, than Kirk Cousins. Dak is better than Kirk Cousins, but, but I don't is, know is if it, he's is it so much that you're like, oh, I'd sign up for that yesterday? I I, I, I would. If Justin Jefferson was in a Cowboys uniform, yeah, that would be know. unreal. Maybe maybe I would. I like how you said it that way and not Dak in a Vikings uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. That's what needs to happen. Geno Smith. No. No. Come okay. On. You guys are. Come on. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Yes. Well, yes. It's, it's similar to Lamar. To sure. Me, but. Jalen's probably and again I'm avoiding off. like the Mahomes and all to be those honest, Vic. I mean it doesn't it, anything would be a lot more exciting probably. That's like, fair. There's not a lot that's of quarterbacks fair. you'd be like. Nah, I will. That's s- not the- I will say I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that aren't as because sometimes Cousins is just like you know what I'm going to be super aggressive today. I'm just going to throw it up. Mm-hmm. 
I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that would not do that. Sure. And yeah. Cousins does have a really good arm. It's more it's just like he has weird mistakes that he mm-hmm. makes. Uh, mentioned uh, taking the Buccaneers this week. Uh, Tom Brady coming off of, off of a bye. Uh, is this going to be a second half surge for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Right. We 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 tend to give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt, and it hasn't been all that great for the Buccaneers this year. Uh, they've had their own struggles all throughout the season. We know the, about the the early season, but right now going into Week Twelve, they're five and five, but. You know, we came into this year like, yeah, they'll be fine. New coach, doesn't matter. They'll be okay. Tom Brady's 49, whatever he is, however old he is. Uh, he, he was away from training camp for a week. And it's like, yeah, don't worry, they'll be fine. Well, it hasn't been fine. Uh, but it was like, like the next marker. Are you expecting a Buccaneers resurgence here in the second half as they uh, come off the bye versus the Cleveland Browns here? Maybe a bit. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. They play the Saints. Like, Niners is going to be a tough matchup. Bengals. But then after that, I don't... I, I think they're going to pretty handily close out the division. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you play the Panthers, Falcons, Cardinals. Uh, it, I don't know if they're going to be... Like, I don't know if we'll view them as a team in the playoffs. It's like, oh, you got to watch out for the Bucks, But I... I do think they'll they'll make the playoffs pretty easily i just i don't have the same vibe that i've had and maybe i've I've been waiting for this for a while with Mm -hmm. tom brady everyone has it just feels like it's finally happened where he's still good he's just not miraculously good anymore if they blow out or uh cleveland this week i think suddenly it's like oh wow okay there are we looking at a, a two seed now in the NFC, because look, they're, they're going to play the Browns. The Saints have had their struggles this year. They're going to play the Cardinals, Panthers, Falcons to close out the year. And suddenly, are you looking at in a twelve and five kind of season or an eleven and five kind of season? Uh, or, or sorry, uh, eleven and six. Eleven and six. Yeah, yeah. I, I and maybe it's homerism, but I just don't see them passing the Vikings. Even if the Vikings fall off a little bit, mm-hmm. just because they're nine and two right now, it would take a lot of yeah. It would take a big fall off for the Bucks to get to number two. I do think they could get to number three, like hop over whoever it'll be if it's the Niners or Seahawks. Um, yeah, could they I chase d- down the Eagles. Basically, is what I'm saying because the Eagles play play in that tough NFC East. Yeah, surprisingly I, tough NFC. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's pretty much one, two Eagles, Vikings, and then after and that, then everybody else, everybody else. Uh, last one here. Uh, are, are you sneakily uh, surprised that uh, Commanders and Falcons uh, is the game with the most playoff implications? Like Titans and Bagels has two winning teams, but uh, Commanders and Falcons a lot of playoff implications in this one. Yeah. The the surprisingly six and five Washington Commanders Taylor Heineke. <laughs> He's that guy bringing it back, man. Yeah. Um, it, well, I mean, it's kind of by default, right? Like, there's just the 100%. matchups this week are like, yeah. But but it's the eight and nine matchup in the in the in the NFC. Uh, Falcons win. Uh, they're six and six, also with the Commanders, and they get the tiebreaker, and they're right behind uh, whoever the seven seed is right now. The Seahawks. Yeah, right now it'd be the Seahawks. I just. I it it'll be an interesting game for sure. I just don't know if I see either of those teams catching up to if the Seahawks pass the Niners or vice versa. Like, either well, the of those Giants teams. is the interesting one, right? The Giants, the Giants lose last night and they're at seven and four now. Uh, the but, Commanders could be tied with the Giants. I don't know what the Giants' schedule is, but yeah, I mean it's a tough division. So, uh, Giants play the Commanders, Eagles, Commanders the next three weeks. So those 
those commanders yeah. games are going to be really intense. Huge. Uh, yeah. Big Nazar, Josh Elliott Wolf. Uh, we'll get into more uh, on the other side. We've got the people's picks coming up. Uh, looking at some props for week 12. Also, we'll talk to Barclay Parnetta. And Confession Friday is on the way. Some good ones coming in already. Uh, I've tried not to uh, laugh and uh, snicker along with the inbox. Uh, but get those con- uh, those confessions in to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. More on the way. You're in the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.